I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 14. We'll start in verse 26. I want to title this message today, The Pride of Peter and the Perseverance of Christ. The Pride of Peter and the Perseverance of Christ. Starting in verse 26 of Mark 14. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently, If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. Then they came to a place which was called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter and James and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. And he went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray, Father, that you'll be with us during this time when we consider this passage of Scripture. Father, I just pray that you would open up its truth before us. I just pray that we can learn from the things that are written here. I pray that we can be able to make application in our own lives, Father. Father, teach us what you want us to know from this scripture and help us to be willing to submit to your will in our lives. Father, just pray that your spirit will be here and open up our eyes. Give me the words to speak. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I had thought about since today was Father's Day of kind of doing a special Father's Day message. And as I was or had been studying this passage of Scripture, and as I'd been thinking about what to say or preach on Father's Day, I really felt like this passage of Scripture has everything in it that we need um, to be able to encourage and is an example to fathers as it is for all of us, right? But I think that there's some special encouragement in here to fathers, as it's Father's Day today, that we'll think about and have application for. But really, there's a great application for all of us found here in this passage of Scripture. We see in this passage of Scripture, we see the pride of Peter and the other disciples not understanding the weakness of their own flesh, not understanding their depravity and the temptation that was about to come upon them. And they did not believe that they were going to fall away. They did not believe that they were going to forsake their Lord. They did not believe that they would be able to, to deny Him. But we also not only see that in this passage of Scripture, and we can learn from them, we can learn from Peter and learn from them, but also, as we have already seen, and we continue to see, and I think even more clearly see in this passage, we begin to see the determination and the perseverance of Christ, our Savior. He gives us the example of humility. 
He gives us the example of loving obedience to the Father. And so instead of following the example of Peter and the disciples who showed the weakness of their flesh and who showed the pride in their hearts, we should instead look at Christ and see His humility, to see His perseverance in finishing His race, in finishing what His Father had given Him to do. And I think that we can take great encouragement from this passage today in not only trying to learn from the example of Peter and the disciples, but also more closely examining our Savior Jesus Christ and wanting that to be our example and our pattern of life, not only as fathers, but also as mothers, as children, and as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So by looking at the example of Peter and the example of Christ, you can learn, not only in this passage, but also in many other passages, you can learn how to avoid pride. The pride of Peter specifically that we see in this passage of Scripture. But Peter is not the only one who was proud and who was filled with selfishness. Also, the other disciples were as well. But you can learn how to try to avoid that pride that's exemplified by them. And also, more importantly, develop the perseverance that Christ shows us that he had so that we can have that in our walk with the Lord. And as I just thought about, you know, the day and age we're living in when it comes not just to fathers and fatherhood and what we're seeing, what we've seen in our lifetime, the previous generation, and and what we think about in the coming generation, fatherhood is, 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 is dwaning. Fathers have abandoned their role in the family. Fathers have, have left their important role of, of leading and of guiding and of protecting and of nourishing their families and their children. And we see the end results of, of that and what's happening in our country and what's happening across the world as fathers have... Um, abandon their role in the family and and their call to fatherhood in the home and to lead as they follow Christ. We've seen the detriment that this has had on the family unit, as it's had on the communities, as it's affected our, our government and our country, our workplaces and everywhere else. Um, just as Brady had talked on Mother's Day about how Many have abandoned the role of motherhood and what this has led to in our country. We also see, even maybe in a greater way, the abandonment of fatherhood and a a leaving of this great and wonderful calling that God has given us. And so what what we pray for is we pray that in our own hearts that we would not follow the example of those that were proud and those that were selfish and those that were trusting in their own strength. But instead, we turn from that as fathers, and it applies to all of us today as the children of God, that we resist pride and we instead follow the example of Christ and we humble ourselves in loving obedience to the Father and that we persevere in this calling that He has given us. God has called us. Talking to fathers here right now, God has called you to lead your family. He has called you to lead your children. He has called you to lead your wife. He has called you to be an example before the church. He has called you to be an example in your community. And before your friends and family, He has called you to be a leader. And He has called you to exemplify the kind of father that He is. And so this is a high calling and many have abandoned it. And so our prayer today is that we may avoid the pride that causes us to want to reject 
the high calling that God has given us and the honor it is to be fathers and to not abandon this role and also that He would give us the humility and He would help us to look at our Savior Jesus Christ and the example that He has set before, of, before, of, before us of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a father, what it means to be a leader. And really all of us can learn from this and it applies to all of us as we think about how we can reject pride in our walk with the Lord and how we can instead develop more of a perseverance in whatever calling that God has called us to in our life. And so that is our proposition today. Is as we look at this text, we look at the example of Peter and the disciples and we look at the example of Christ, our Lord and Savior, and we say we want to learn from the example of Peter and the disciples and the pride that they had and it leading to what happens afterward. And instead, we want to learn how to develop the perseverance that Christ shows us in this text. So number one, we'll talk about that you need to be aware. You need to be aware of your selfish pride and the weakness of your flesh. So if we're going to avoid the pride that we see in Peter and the disciples, and we're, going to, and we're asking God to develop in us the perseverance of Christ, we have to be aware of the pride that's in our hearts and the selfishness that's in our hearts. And we must understand the weakness of our sinful flesh. So that's number one. Number two, we need to be on our knees and we need to be praying to God every day that we would submit to God's will in our life even when we don't want to. We need to be praying for us to submit to God's will in our life even when we don't want to. And then number three, you need to be looking at the perseverance of Christ to finish His race so that you can follow His example. Now, let's examine this a little bit more closely in this text. So it says right after that the Lord had spent this time with the disciples in the upper room and He had instituted the Lord's Supper, and after they had sung a hymn, it says that they went out to the Mount of Olives. So in this first thing that we're considering in this text of Scripture this morning, we're saying that we need to be aware, number one, of our selfish pride and the weakness of our flesh. And this is what we see in Peter and the other disciples. It says, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. So Jesus is honest with his disciples. The time is at hand. This night, he is going to be betrayed. This night, he is going to be taken and arrested. This night, he's going to be beginning to be put on trial and to be be treated harshly and, and all the things that are going to happen. And Jesus is now honest with his disciples and he warns them that they are about to forsake him. This word offended, it means to stumble or to fall away. He says, all of you tonight are going to be offended because of me. You're you're going to stumble. You're going to fall away. And I'm sure that was a hard thing for them to hear, right? It's a hard thing for us us in our pride for someone to tell us, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall. And they love Jesus Christ. Peter and the other of the disciples. Judas has already left. Judas has already gone to betray the Lord. But, the, but Peter and the other disciples, they loved Christ with all their heart. They, were, they had left all to follow Him. They had great zeal for Him. They had great passion for Him. And they didn't want to hear what Christ was saying, that they were going to be offended of Him this very night. We're filled with pride instead of humility. We can't take the truth. We don't want to hear the truth, and we don't want to acknowledge the truth when someone comes to us and points out our weakness to us. And sometimes that's a flaw in men. It's a, sometimes a, it's a flaw in me. 
And we've got to be aware of that, especially as fathers, that we have weaknesses, we mess up, we sin, we fall short. And when that is pointed out to us, either by the Lord, by the Spirit convicting us, by our wife, by our children, or by other brothers and sisters who come to us, we must be softened in our hearts and willing to accept that and say, you know what, you're right. You're right. Help pray for me that I may see that, that I may change. And I see that most men aren't willing to do that. They aren't willing to accept that and they resist that and instead they become offended and they become bitter against either their wife or their children. And so they be, instead of so, their hearts being softened, they become hard. And instead of doing what the scriptures say, and it says, do not provoke your children to wrath, they instead do provoke their children to wrath and to anger and to hatred against them. And so we need to be aware of this selfish pride that when Jesus said to the disciples and to Peter, you're going to be offended by me. That instead of rejecting that, instead of saying, no, that's not true, that we would say, oh Lord, please pray for me. So he says, I will, he quotes from Zechariah thirteen seven. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scattered. Jesus Christ was being stricken. He was being stricken. All of the force of Satan was now against him. All the, the, wicked, all the wickedness of, of men was against him. And they were striking the shepherd. And the sheep were going to be scattered. So this was a fulfillment of that prophecy. But I love even in the midst of this, Jesus once again reminds them, look, this is going to happen. Yes, I'm honest with you. You're going to be offended by me. You're going to be offended of me. You're going to stumble. But... After I have been raised, I will go before you into Galilee. He reminded them. They didn't want to accept this, remember? He kept telling them this over and over again about what was going to happen, and they didn't want to accept it. They didn't want to accept this, as we see by what Peter says. They didn't want to believe that this was going to happen, but Jesus says, this is going to happen. But I will rise again. I will overcome all of this, even though you will be offended of me, even though you will scatter, I will bring you back together. You see what his promise is? I will be raised from the dead and I will go before you to Galilee. And you'll be gathered together again and we will meet together again. And there will be peace among us again. So we see the love of our Savior. That even when we are filled with selfish pride and don't see the weakness of our flesh, yet he promises He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will never be offended of us. He will never leave us. Well, after Jesus says this, and I'm sure that this was, again, another shock to them, as it was when Jesus says, one of you eating with me will betray me. They they didn't want to hear this. It says that Peter, verse 29, Peter said to him, Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Or even if all are offended at you, yet not I. Peter, he loves the Lord. He loves Jesus. But he thinks too highly of himself. And I think this is a lesson that we can learn from him. We see the pride in him and we see it in us. He's trusting in his own strength and he's not aware of the selfishness that's within him. He, he's filled with zeal, with passion for Jesus Christ. He doesn't want this to happen to him. He doesn't be, want to believe that he's capable of this. And so he says, well, I don't want to say anything bad about the other disciples. They may forsake you, but they don't love you as much as I love you. Even if all are offended of you this night, even if all stumble of you this night, yet not I. What does the Bible tell us about pride? Pride goeth before a fall, a haughty spirit before destruction. We need to take heed lest 
we fall. You see, when, when Jesus Christ said this, Peter should have been taking heed and he should have been examining his own heart and his own life. and says, is there any pride in me? Am I too proud that I will deny you? But yet, this pride was stirred up within him, also filled with love for Christ. But yet, he wasn't being humble. I mean, Jesus Christ, who has never lied, Jesus Christ, who has never told him anything that wasn't true or didn't come to pass, has just told him, has just told them, all of you will be offended me this night. And so when he says this, he's basically calling Jesus a liar, right? You said all will be offended, but even if everybody else, Lord, is offended of you, yet not I, right? What you're saying of me is not true. So pride wants to reject Pride wants to reject when our sin is pointed out to us. It wants to reject that truth. And we want to say, no, not, not I. I don't, I don't have this problem. I don't have this weakness. And after Peter says this, now Jesus has to point out Peter specifically. So he had said, first of all, in a generic way, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. But now Peter is saying, no, everyone else may deny you, but not me. Now in verse 30, Jesus said to him, assuredly or verily, I say to you that today, even this night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Oh, that must have stung so much in the heart of Peter. Here he is. He has this great love for Christ, but he's also filled with great pride. And he believes this. He does believe this. Even though all the other disciples might fall away, he's not going to fall away. And Jesus says here, not only will you be offended of me, but he says, you're going to deny me. Three times. And he says, assuredly, Peter. And Peter knew whenever Jesus said, verily, verily, or assuredly, that that means this is absolute truth, Peter. Listen to what I'm saying. This is absolutely true. I'm not lying here. You will deny me three times. This word deny is a strong word. It means to deny utterly to deny utterly, to disown, to abstain. Peter could not imagine that he would disown his Lord, that he would deny Him utterly. He was not acknowledging his own weakness, the weakness of his flesh. He was not seeing the pride that he had. He was not being humble before the Lord. Jesus says, before the cock crows twice, The cock would crow at midnight and then again right before dawn. And so Jesus is saying that before dawn comes, Peter, you will deny me three times. You will disown me three times. And we know know what happens. Mark chapter 14 verse 66 tells us, Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 68, But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again, and began to say to those who stood by, This is one of them, but he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. Three times he denies, he disowns the Lord. A second time the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. 
so we see in this that even though Peter did have a great love and zeal for Christ, yet he was not exercising humility. And he wasn't acknowledging the weakness of his own flesh. And he wasn't acknowledging the truth that Jesus was saying about him. And I think this is something that we can learn in our own lives, that we have got to accept the truth of what the Scripture says about us, is that we are sinners and that we are full of pride, and that we must be constantly putting pride and selfishness to death in our own hearts, in our own lives. If we don't, pride is going to raise its ugly head. If we aren't constantly on our knees, and we aren't constantly looking at ourselves, and we aren't constantly humbling ourselves before Him, pride is going to raise its ugly head, and we see that going on in our day and time. We are celebrating pride in our country right now. Celebrating the pride of sin, of rejecting God's Word, of going against the natural order of things. We are lifted up in pride. And God is judging us and He will continue to judge us. But we see this not only in the wicked world, we see it in our own hearts. How many times we know what God has called us to do, we know what God's Word has said and what He's commanded us, Yet we choose many times to disobey. We're lifted up in pride and selfishness and say, no, we want to do this instead. And we become like Peter. Even after Jesus said this, (laughs) Peter still doesn't believe it. And he becomes even more prideful, but he spoke more vehemently with vigor. The word really means super above, over and above. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And then it says, and they all said likewise. So Peter might be the representative, but all the disciples were saying this. All of them were not understanding what Christ was saying. They did not want to accept it. They did not want to believe it. They did not see the depravity in their own hearts and the weakness of their own flesh. And even after this, we go on to see not only the selfish pride in Peter and the other disciples, but we see the weakness. We see the weakness of their flesh in what Christ says. So... After this, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And while Jesus is is praying fervently to God, he tells Peter, James, and John to, to sit here a while while I'll go a little bit further and I pray. And I want you to sit here and I want you to pray and I want you to watch. And you would think after Jesus Christ had pointed out to them that they were going to stumble, and after he had told Peter... This is what you're going to do. You would think that for one hour they would be sitting there and watching and praying. And as Jesus is praying, he finishes praying the first time. For some time it says in verse 37, And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, Calls him by his first name, his Hebrew name. Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? You who said you were so strong. You who said, even though everybody else was weak, yet you would be the strong one. Could you not watch one hour? And then he gives them this encouragement. Watch and pray that you, lest you enter into temptation. And then he says this, The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, that's what's important for us to remember. Their spirit was indeed willing. Peter's spirit was willing. He was willing to die with the Lord. He was willing to, 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 to suffer with Him. Because he was a true believer. He was a child 
of God. He was a lover and a servant of Jesus Christ. His, his spirit was willing to do all the things he was saying, but his flesh was weak. And this is what he was overlooking. And oftentimes what we overlook. Our spirit oftentimes indeed is willing. But we don't consider how weak that our flesh is. And so if we're not constantly praying, if we're not constantly reading God's word, if we're not constantly applying it to our lives and being humbled by it, we too can be lifted up in selfishness and pride and not realizing the weakness of our flesh. And we can enter into temptation and fall because we are not watching and praying as Christ encourages us to do. Then it says he goes to pray again. And he comes back and they're sleeping again. Then he goes a third time and he comes back and they're sleeping again. Oh, the weakness of our flesh. So what about you as you think about this in your own life? Are you filled with pride and selfishness? Are you not willing to change if you're convicted by what you read in the scriptures or you're convicted by what's preached or you're convicted by something that's said to you? Are you not willing to humble yourself and accept that and ask God and pray to God to help you to change? Or do you resist that counsel? We need to look at the example of Peter and we need to learn from it. God, help me to avoid this pride and this selfishness. Help me to have the zeal, yes, but help me to avoid the pride and the selfishness and not understanding my own weakness, Lord. And help me to trust you. And help me to lean upon you. And help me to take heed lest I also fall. I think if we do that, we can be more of the example of Christ instead of the example of Peter. And so, we want to ask God to help us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Resist the devil. Resist pride. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and He will exalt us in due time. Be more like Christ and less like Peter in this way. Number two, if we're going to want to avoid pride and instead encourage perseverance, we need to pray for us to submit to God's will in our life, even when we don't want to. You see, many times we pray for God's will to be done in our life when what we're saying is we want God's will to align with our will. (laughs) Right? Oh, your will be done in my life. And what we want God's will to be is We want you to bless us financially. We want us you to bless us physically. We want you to bless our children. We want you to provide all these things for us, take care of us. And none of those things are wrong. But if God's will is for you to suffer, then you need to be willing to accept that and submit to that and say, if that's your will, Lord, then may I be resigned to it. Sometimes it's His will for us to lose a job. Sometimes it's His will for us to suffer pain. Sometimes it's His will for us to have a friend betray us. Sometimes it's will for us for loved ones that we love to die and to be, to be taken home to the Lord. And if we're going to be like Christ and we're going to persevere in the faith and be humble like Him, we need to pray for us to be able to submit to God's will even when we don't want to. And I think this is what we see here in Christ in the garden when he goes to pray. His time is at hand. He knows he's about to suffer and he begins to feel the weight of all this. And this is when things get hard. This is when the rubber meets the road. And what we see in him is we see a willingness, a humility to submit to the Father's will. And he spends time in prayer as he always would do before Something was coming up. He would set aside time to pray, to seek the Lord's face, to seek his Father's face and his counsel.
And we see in this text of Scripture, we see the humanity of Christ. That He had taken upon Himself our humanity. And that in this time, when He was beginning to feel this anguish of soul, and He was beginning to feel the weight of what He was about to do, we see His humanity coming out. And in this hour when He goes to pray, this is what He says. Then they came to a place which was called Gethsemane, which means olive press. It's a place where um, the olives were taken and they were pressed to make olive oil. And here we have Christ, who's now coming under the weight and the pressure of taking upon all the sins of His people and experiencing the wrath of His Father. Coming to this place, and He says, he says to the disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Christ is now filled with with anguish and turmoil of soul because of what he knows that he's about to experience. Not only being betrayed, not only being denied by by Peter, not only being forsaken by his closest disciples, but much more than that, taking on the weight of having to be the burden bearer, the the burden bearer of all the sins of God's elect. And knowing that his father, whom he loved and who loved him, would have to turn his face away from him and would have to pour out the fullness of his fury upon him. All of this is weighing upon him. And he says, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. And he went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. That's the humanity of Christ. He knows what he has to do. He's been resolved about what he has to do. But in this moment, and under this pressure, and under this weight, He is praying, if at all possible, that he might escape this. And so in this time, in this moment, under this weight, his will is that he would would escape this. So you can imagine how great the anguish was. You can imagine how great the pain was, how great the pressure was. It tells us, I think, in the Gospel of John that as he was praying and as he was agonizing that he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. He was in such anguish of soul. Such pressure was upon him. We can't imagine. And so he he says, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup Away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. We see the perseverance of our Savior. His will was please allow me to escape from this. Please let me not have to go through this. I don't want to go through this. But yet he says, not what I will, but what you will. That's humility, isn't it? Humility is accepting the will of God in your life. It's, it's, it's a willingness to accept the hard things with the good things. Choose to do the hard things. You know, this is, I think, one of the issues that we see in our culture, in our community, in fathers specifically, is that they are not willing to choose to do the hard things. They're not willing to choose to stay and work it out. They're not willing to choose to love their spouse. They're not willing to choose to love their children over their own selfish desires. And so they abandon them in their own pride, in their own selfishness. 
And what a ruin that causes. In the families and communities. They have their own will. They have their own plans, their own desires. And these people are getting in the way of that. How awful that that is. But not only that, we can take an encouragement for us who who have been saved and who are trying to follow the Lord that there are things that He has called us to do as as parents, as children, as as fathers, as, as grandparents. And He's calling us and He's saying, submit to God's will in your life and what He's calling you to do even when it's hard and even when, it, when it's what you don't want to do. Help me, Lord, to do your will, even when I don't want to. And so in this, I think we see the humility of Christ, and we see the honor that Christ had for the Father. Because even though in his humanity he didn't want to go through all this, yet because of his great love and honor for the Father, he says, not what I will, Father, but what you will. May your will be done, and may I submit to it. And he did. He submits to it in every way. He goes through the betrayal. He goes through the denial. He goes through the forsaking of those that love him, and he loves. And he goes through the ridicule and the pain of the cross because he has that much respect and honor for his Father. And because he loves you that much. And he knew that that's what was willing for you to be brought to the Father. So he is the exact opposite of Peter and the other disciples who were filled with pride and didn't want to accept what God's will was. Here you have one who humbles himself and accepts what God's will is for him. And so we can learn from that even though things were going to be harder than they had ever been, even though he was going to have to go through pain and suffering and heartache and ultimately being forsaken by his father, yet he was willing to do it in loving obedience to the father. That's, how I, that's, that's what I want to be. That's more of how I want to live my life. And that's how you should want to live your life. Thirdly, not only do we see this in Christ, that he was willing to pray to submit to God's will even when he didn't want to, and we should be willing. We should be willing to pray to submit to God's will even when we don't want to. Thirdly, we see the perseverance of Christ in his determination to push through even when everything was against him. Judas was betraying him. His disciples were going to fall away. Peter was going to deny him three times. He was experiencing anguish of soul. It says in verse 33, he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. I think it says sore amazed in the King James Version. To astonish utterly, to be troubled It says also, and to be very heavy. That means to be sated to loathing. To be in distress of mind. To be deeply distressed. Jesus Christ was greatly distressed. He was under the weight. He was loathing. But yet, even in the midst of this, we see Him push right through to persevere, to accept this. And he says, the hour has come. The hour has come. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. This word exceedingly sorrowful means to be grieved all around. It means to be grieved from head to toe. It means that that you are under extreme heaviness. Intensely sad. So there are some who will use an excuse of why they can't submit to God's will and just say, you know, I'm, I, this is too heavy. This is too hard. This is causing too much pain in my life, and therefore I need to relieve it, and I need to go the other way. I need to do what I want to do to make me happy. Well, Christ shows you a different way. 
He says, yes, you will have pain. Yes, you will go through suffering. Yes, this will be hard. But choose to do the hard things. Choose to persevere. Choose to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, even when you don't want to. Jesus Christ, in the moment of His betrayal, in the moment of His suffering and anguish, prays for hours. That's our example, brothers and sisters. Not taking the easy way out, not trusting in the flesh, but getting down on our knees, getting down on our face and crying out to God to give us the strength, give us the will, give us the spirit to be able to overcome the weakness of our flesh. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was God incarnate, who was perfect and without sin, if He had to do this, if He had to get on His face and cry out to God for hours to be able to go to the cross, what do you think we have to do? Who are totally depraved and radically corrupt. And how many times we trust in our flesh? Or how many times we take the easy way out? We need to learn from Christ to persevere and push through and pray and help God and ask God to help us to persevere. So he goes and we know what he prays. Father, if at all possible, take this cup from me. What I learned from Christ here is that we should be honest with God in our prayers about the weakness that we have. Lord, I don't want to do this. This, I don't want to to have to struggle with this. I don't want to have to do what it takes for this to get better. But help me to overcome that. Help me to humble myself and say, I want to be obedient to you. I want to show that I love you and have respect and honor to you so that even though this is what I don't want to do and even though this is hard, I'll push through by your grace. And I'll choose to do the hard things because I want to honor you. And so we don't, we don't pray, Lord, make this easier. Lord, fix this without me having to do anything that's hard. Just help my children to obey me perfectly so I don't have to do the hard things as a parent. Just help my spouse to overlook all my faults and failings so that our relationship can get better. That's not what we pray. Pray, Lord, even if my children are rebelling against me, even though they are rebelling against you, help me to be lovingly disciplining them. Help me to show perseverance in this. Even even if I am having relationship issues with my spouse, reveal my weaknesses to me and help me to change and help me to be willing to do what it takes for things to get better. Pray to God to help you to avoid pride and selfishness in your own heart and instead to develop the perseverance of Christ. He set His face as flint toward Jerusalem and He would not be turned aside. Pray and ask God to humble you and help you to resist temptation. Resist the temptation to take the easy way out. Resist the temptation to look at the faults of everyone else except for your own. Resist the temptation to think that you are too strong to fall. And instead, help open your eyes to the weakness of your flesh. Pray to God for strength. Pray that you may be like Christ. Spend more time in prayer asking God to help you to submit to His will. Spend more time in reading His Word and asking Him to help you apply it to the areas that you need to in your life. Give us the resolve of Christ. After He goes and prays and comes back and finds them sleeping, He goes back and prays again. 
He tells them to watch and pray. He comes back and finds them sleeping. He goes and he prays again and he comes back and he finds them sleeping. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you sleeping and resting? Uh, If the disciples were this way, brothers and sisters, how much more you and I do we find ourselves in our own lives falling asleep and resting when we should be watching and praying, when we should be working? He says, It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Christ is resolved. He's resolved to go through all this. He's resolved to go to the cross, and he goes to the cross, and he submits to the will of the Father, and he suffers the eternal wrath of God against every single one of your sins and my sins. For every single one of our failures... All of our brokenness. He suffers for it. And all of God's wrath is poured out upon him. And he completely satisfies God's wrath against our sin. So that those that are covered by his blood and those that are redeemed and those that come to believe in him and to know him, all of their sins are covered. All of your failings are forgiven. And you are freed to serve Him in humility and love. What a great Savior that we have. May we be thankful for Him. And may we look to His example to be the kind of fathers, mothers, children, co-workers, and friends that He has called us to be.